Hey guys, well, welcome back to this week's episode of the American Landman. I'm your host, Neil Hogger, land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate. And you found the American Landman podcast where we talk about buying, managing, and selling American land. Well, as I record this episode, I it is uh, February 13th, and I'm looking out the window of the American Landman Studios here in Western Wisconsin. It, it's a beautiful day. I think we're going to be uh, up into the 40s, and it's starting to look like spring. And I know a lot of the listeners all around the country, you guys are already experiencing it, but we're still buried in about a foot and a half of snow up here in the upper Midwest, and um, it's not over with for us yet. And very often, you know, uh, March excuse me, March is a, it's a lion I and mean, we get buried in snow. It always seems to happen, but then things start breaking up. The ice starts getting a little softer. The lakes start opening up, the creeks start flowing. And uh, before you know it, it's spring. Um, but uh, before we get going today, I want to talk a little bit about our guest and our guest is Pete Alfano. And Pete is one of the founding partners, probably the the guy, the brainchild of of the entire land industry. It's not to say that people weren't buying and selling land before, but Pete had a vision. Pete saw the future. He took this idea of selling an acre of land. He wrapped media around it. He wrapped storytelling. He wrapped photography and videography. And he started with this idea of Whitetail Properties Real Estate. And we're going to talk about how Pete and Paul Sawyer basically founded a new industry. Now there are literally thousands of agents, multiple companies that are all making their living selling American land. And Pete started off as a business owner selling pizzas, if you can believe it or not, owning a, beach, a pizza parlor at age 18 when his father died. And But as an escape, which we can all relate to, he started buying land, improving it. And by happenstance, somebody come along and sold it for him. Another agent brought a buyer and he sold it. And the light bulb came on and that started this process. So we're going to talk to Pete about the market where he's buying. We're, we're going to get a little bit about some of the pearls of wisdom. If you listen, you're going to pick them up, uh, tips and advice on how to market a property that you own, sell it for profit, move on to the next level. And we're going to get into a lot of things. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's very interesting. Pete is a brand name in the industry, probably one of the most famous people that most people don't even know. But guys, this is somebody you're going to want to listen to. Before we do that, we're going to take a moment out for our sponsors, and then we're going to get right back into the show. I'm Neil Hogger, and I'm a land specialist for Whitetail Properties Real Estate, and this is the American Landman Podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Vitalize Seed, Cycle Plant Nutrients the Way Nature Intended. The Packer Max HD Cultipacker, 100% of your seed goes down, 100% of your seed comes up. Landgate. Data Intelligence and Marketplace for Land and Its Resources. And First Products Grain Drills, maker of the multi-drill. Quality, precision, durability. And now, let's get back to the show. And welcome to the show, Pete Alfano. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Neil, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. Crowd's going crazy once again. <laughs> this is going to be... Guys, this is going to be one of the best conversations you ever heard, because if you don't know Pete, and most of you don't, um, Pete is probably one of, if not the, I'm going to say, Pete, you're the Warren Buffett of land sales. What do you think about that? Damn, that's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> I don't mind the T-Boom Pickens, 
Warren Buffett. All right, T. Boone Pickens of land <laughs> investing and sales. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'll so, <laughs> so you. All right, so you tell me if I'm right on this. I think you were the initial thought of the concept of selling land, at least on a large scale, like Whitetail Properties does. Is that is that a fair statement to say? I would say that's pretty fair. I mean, I I don't want to take all the credit for it because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have thought about it in the past, but. Um, you know, I don't know if it's my ADHD or what it is, but I'm always 100 miles an hour all the time and always thinking. And, um, you know, book smart wise, I never was really academically gifted. So I had to use my brain in other ways. So I shut up and listened to a lot of smart people, basically, is what I did. And um, it kind of, and land was just one of those things that I always found a passion in. And after my, um, father passed away when I was 18 years old I literally looked to the outdoors for some um you know peace and solitude out out in the outdoors I mean that's kind of where I got my my joy in life and to this day that was 32 33 years ago damn I am that old yeah mm. um and uh yeah so I just literally try to figure out how to create a business around a passion um so, you know, you hear people, and I'm kind of jumping all over the board because I'm kind of high on coffee this morning, but when, you know, when people talk about having dreams and wanting to do this and this, and I, I think it gets pushed so hard on people and kids these days that they hear it so much that it's almost like, ah, no, it's just, I hear that all the time. And I, I'll show me someone that's actually done it. So I like to be kind of the face for that. You know what I mean? Like I, I had, I struggled through school, but I've been successful in life, you know, and I've always said, if you can win 51% of the time, you're going to win at life and be successful. And, um, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I've said that too many times that if I just try a little harder than the average guy, I'll be above average my entire life. And it's, yeah. it's a simple philosophy that I've carried because I'm probably like you, I wasn't super academically gifted, although I did go on to high level education, but it was basically hard work that, that got me, got me here. But, but you, now you started, I, so I don't want to tell the story, but your family had a series of pizza stores as I understood it, but mm -hmm. were you outdoorsmen as well? Like walk us through like from childhood until the, the conception of Whitetail Properties. So, um, growing up as a kid, I fished quite a bit, um, didn't really know anything about hunting. Um, my parents both were at the restaurants all the time. Um, you know, I pretty much raised myself at home most of the day, so I had to keep myself busy. So, um, we lived close to the Fox river up by Chicago. So I would literally ride my bike, bought, saved up money, mowing grass, working at the pizza place and, uh, bought myself a set of waders fishing pole and literally I would ride my bike almost every single day in the summer and um you know fish all the way through my my teens up till 15 16 we moved to Pike County Illinois to open another pizza place and um some people know some people probably don't but Pike County's kind of famed as like you know the the deer capital of the world back in the you know, 80s and 90s, it was really pushed hard. A lot of outfitters came in. I think at one point there was like over 100 outfitters 
in the county, which is insane to think about now. Um, so when I was in my teens, I was working at the pizza place. Um, I had an opportunity to go to college um, at Kishwaukee College back in northern Illinois when I was 18 years old. And when I, as soon as I moved to college my first semester, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So I had to make a decision if I was going to stay in school and do the college life and party and probably screw off for four years or man up and become an adult at 18 years old. And, um, and I chose B and dropped out of school like three weeks into college and took a loan out, paid my dad's medical bills off, um, took the restaurant over, took, you know, basically everything over. My mom moved to Arizona, um, had no accounting background, didn't know what the hell I was doing. But so kind of self-taught. There was no YouTube. There wasn't Google or anything back then. Right. So you can find anything um, on YouTube nowadays. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So then I. So that was when I was 18 years old, and I really, you know, when I was probably 15, 16, when I moved to Pike County. Um, good friends of mine, their father took me bow hunting, and I really got a really got a taste for it. I still remember the first uh, morning I ever went bow hunting in my life. You know, I, I was 15 and a half, and um, I remember seeing, like, this little scrub block walk by. And, it, and to me, that was, like, the biggest thing in the world, you know, watching that thing. It could have been a 200-inch deer. You know, the thing was, like, 60 inches. But um, just seeing something in the wild walk underneath a tree stand, I was like, holy cow, I can't believe I haven't done this yet. So I really had this burning desire to figure out how to do it. But then on the other side, I had a lot of responsibilities at the restaurant. Um, and an opportunity came along. I was able to buy a farm because I said, you know, I'm working 70, 80 hours a week at the pizza place. I need to figure out, I need to buy a farm. I need somewhere to go at least one day a week on Mondays when the pizza place is closed. So I bought a 40 acre track of ground. I was 18 years old. Back then the banks, I, I did all my banking, small town, America, um, you know, mom and pop and, they gave me a loan with no money down um, and bought the farm. I put in gates, put in a food plot, you know, basically by hand in a four-wheeler. And the place looked really good. I, uh, I hunted it. I enjoyed it for, I guess, about a year. And a friend of mine owned a real estate company in town. And he said, hey, I've got some clients coming in town, and they, they're really looking to buy a hunting farm. you mind if I show them your place? And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, what, man, what am I going to do if I sell that farm? And he's like, just go buy another one. And I'm like, well, hell, I never thought about that. So they looked at it, loved it. They looked at like seven farms on the market. Mine was priced the same as everything else in the market. And with all the improvements, it was it, it was a killer farm. So I made a good little amount of money on that farm. And um, so that happened about two, three, four times in the first year when I was 18, 19 years old. And I started thinking, wow, this is like, this is kind of crazy. I get to go outside, work on these farms, build them up, hunt them, and I'm making money, and I'm not having to stand on my feet 70, 80 hours a week slinging pizzas and uh, getting yelled at by customers. So I'm like, damn, this is a pretty good gig. Um, so fast forward a couple of years, and I expanded operations, and I um, started outfitting in southern Illinois and Kentucky, and that's where I met Paul Sawyer. and. Paul was actually owned a production company and was filming a gentleman for a whitetail hunt for a, a show that Adventure Bound Outdoors, I believe is what it's called. As soon as I met Paul, we hit it off right away. We stayed up 
I think, till like six in the morning the next day talking. And we knew we'd end up doing some sort of business together. Um, we didn't know what it was at the time, but he had a mortgage background. He had a video production background. His father passed away when he was 18. Real similar paths in life. Um, he and him are the same age. Just He was like a long lost brother when I met him. Um, I interviewed him um, last week, so I don't know when he'll air. So for the uh, listeners, if you want to hear the other side of the story, look for Paul Sawyer's interview. Well, about what year was this, Pete? Oh, man. It would have been, think about that. No, man, I got to think really hard. Around 2005-ish, six, somewhere around there. 2005, probably. And you were buying Um, and selling land at this point? You were kind of doing these flips? I was, yeah. Okay. And I still had the restaurant, and I and I was at a, it was I was kind of at a point in my life that my restaurant business was so good that I was just exhausted. I literally for we were open six days a week, and literally six days a week I had it was like standing room outside for lunch and dinner at my place. I I was to the point I was going to have to literally tear the restaurant down and rebuild, and in a small little town. To rebuild, you know, for over a million dollars, it's scary when you're, you know, in your 20s yeah. to think. And I knew at that point, I said, well, if I invest, if, if I spend over a million dollars, open a pizza place in a tiny little town, then I'm here. This is it. I'm here forever. So it was kind of a perfect storm because um, I, I remember we were driving in my truck one day and I had a closing statement. Paul picked it up and he was looking at it. He was like, wow, you made you know, X amount on this farm. And I'm like, yeah. And I said, I haven't even been, I didn't even own it that long. It was just like really quick. So we started actually doing, so me and Paul bought some farms together too. And then even like Jeff Evans, you know, Jeff, yeah. I mean, he pretty much runs the company now. Uh, I used to drive him to school when he was in junior high with my brother. <laughs> me and him used to buy farms together, which is funny. Now when you think, you know, it's crazy. Like he runs like the properties now. And like, I, I used to drive around in my Cutlass listening to rap music and driving him to him, my brother to school. Um, but yeah, so one day we were talking, me and Paul were just like, Hey, we should start a, we should start a real estate company about, and a TV show and about hunting property. And it was like, it was as simple as like, well, what the hell would we call it? Like, I don't know, white tail property. No one's doing it. You know? Um, yeah. Great idea. So, there was some other guys. So the other partners that founded White Hill Properties with us, they actually were buying farms in the same counties I was in my 20s. I was actually competing against them. This is Rob um, Saunders, right? Yeah. Okay. Rob and his group. So I would be, so I had a little bit of an inside because I was local. These guys all lived out of state, but my downfall was. You know, I was a couple strikes away from being broke just from not just having the pizza place. And these guys were older than me and all had established businesses. And so I was, it was always a money thing. It was like, well, I could probably do this one. I'll be stretched out. But, um, but those guys could just buy whatever they wanted. So I had to, I had to buy stuff on charm and just who I was other and my reputation and not a pocketbook, I guess, at that time. So I clawed and scratched and, you know, got deals done. Um, so, yeah, so I remember, you know, me and Paul were talking. We're like, okay, let's do this. Start a company. And Paul's like, okay, we, we got to find a broker. And Dan Perez at the time, I had been talking to him. He was actually 
I used to make, he used to come in to my pizza place. Plus he was also selling real estate for another company at the time. So I'm like, dude, I got the perfect guy. I'm like, he's a client of mine. He's been in the industry forever. He's like the godfather of bow hunting. So I said, let me get a hold of him and try to set up a meeting. So I set up a meeting with Dan, went and talked to Dan at his cabin. And uh, Dan was kind of giving us a, a side look, like, like, that we were up to something when we talked to him. And basically what it was, he said, how did you guys know that we've been talking about this? So Dan had already been talking to these other Rob and his investment group about starting a real estate company, literally at the same time me and Paul were. So Dan said, let's just all have a meeting. So we sat down, I think there was eight or nine of us in a room and we basically created Whitetail Properties that day. Um, in Pike County, Illinois, in a cabin. We all said, okay, let's all throw some money in and get rolling. Wow. You know, the, the, uh, the, is there a story behind the logo? Cause the logo is iconic. And yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about that. So I was looking at a farm in Iowa um, to purchase, and the client's son was getting ready to graduate high school. And he's like, hey, my kids got, found the set of sheds on the farm so i'm like oh let me see them so the father brought the sheds out and i mean they're just massive i mean they're like 190 inch set of eight points i mean they're huge set of sheds um he's like yeah he goes my kid he's gonna i'm gonna make him sell these sheds because he's gonna need the money for college so i made a deal right there for the sheds i just bought them and um bought the farm bought the sheds and um basically the one shed was just a just huge perfect side and um, we're good friends with Lee Chotes which he's done a lot of uh, brand creation for some of the top outdoor brands and we basically gave him the shed and said can you create a logo with this he's like yeah dude no problem so we gave it gave him the shed and came back and literally the first concept he has he came back with was the original the logo i mean we didn't even make a change we're like well how can you make an antler look any sexier than that just let's just go with it because it's always hard a lot of people try to do logos with um with antlers and i they i just think a lot of them look cheesy um there's only so much you can do with it so to me it was clean looked professional and it was something that we could probably climb behind and really push as a brand every company that's selling land Every that starts up these little local places all do some form of an antler. It's amazing. Yeah, yep. And it had to come from yep. the inspiration had to come from you guys. Cause you walk around, I know I walk around with a cap on while I'm doing my work, or I'm diving, driving down the road and guys don't know me. They don't know it's me. They see that uh, antler on your truck, Pete, and you probably know this, but you see, they see that antler on the truck and next thing they're doing is they're honking at you and they're pointing. It's like, I follow yeah. you. And they, 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 yeah. they, you know, it's weird. It's almost weird. My wife one time joked, she goes, you're like a hero to every redneck in five counties. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, it's not me. It's the logo. I mean, they all know this logo. It's cool. Though. I know it's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is cool. I'll be in like the most random place and I'll see one of, I'll see someone wearing one of our hats, you know, and, and our hats are not the easiest thing to get. Um, yeah. So, Maybe that's why they're so popular. Yeah. I'll see one and I'm like, Hey man, where'd you get your hat? And they're like, Oh, I'm friends with this person, this person, and they, and they know this person, they bought a farm from this person. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. You know, I carry, um, a box of them with me all the time. I think I'd handed out my last three 
um, the other day, some I was at uh, Somerset High School, and um, I don't know if they, they all listen to this, but uh, Nick and uh, two of his buddies came up to me, and they were standing there talking to me, and they see me around. They see me, I have billboards now, and you know, I feel like I'm a big shot up here. I'm a legend in my own mind, as I always say, but they came up and they're kind of giddy and talking to me. And, uh, so I, I came back that afternoon and I gave, I left three ball caps at the, uh, at the high school, uh, office and said, Hey, can you call Nick and tell Nick that Neil came in and left these for him and give them to his two buddies that met me today. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I carry them around with me in my truck. If I have them, I tell people, Hey, if you just, if you point at me and pull me over or come up to me and say, I follow you on social media yep. and show me that you do, I'll give you a ball cap as long as I have one. So yeah. Yeah. That's cool. They're coveted. Yeah. yeah. I literally, uh, my assistant just ordered like a whole case of them to send to the house because I like to just send them out randomly to people and then like different organizations and things they always for donations and things. I, they're such a cool item to have because yeah. it's kind of hard to get, especially that thick of the black thick of white tail one. I, I love that hat. Yeah. So now I'm going to get uh, inundated with text messages. Can I get a hat? And, I, you know, guys, honestly, I'll do the best I can. Um, at the very least, maybe you pot, you pay for it, what I pay for it. So, all right. So I'm, I'm going to back you up a little bit there because um, I, I and I want you to continue with the story as you feel need to. But this idea of starting something in the industry with something you love is like, that's, you're not the first guy that's had that dream. And there's a lot of guys that have it, but you guys actually did it. And, and it sounds like, like all great ideas happen. It wasn't a hundred percent thought out like every single step there's, but there was some magic behind it that things like lined up. Was there like some divine intervention? I mean, how does this, not everybody builds a business. Like we did 597,000 acres of land sales this last year and $3 billion in sales. I mean, that doesn't happen every day. No. And, and I'll tell you, I just had this conversation with someone the other day and cause there was a stretch of, I'm going to say three to four years. That was pretty tough going. Right. But the magic behind the company, the foundation of our company is the original owners and every one of us all come from different backgrounds. So we are all, we all had businesses of our own in all different aspects. So I think when you got all of us together with one end goal in mind, you had a bunch of business owners pushing for one goal instead of one guy trying to wear 60 hats, you had seven guys wearing 60 hats. It was a little easier to do. Um, But as far as, you know, the drive and to succeed and to win. Um, I mean, I just, like, I just don't quit. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be dead before I quit at something, you know? I mean, so it was just, it was a perfect storm, honestly, is what it was. And the, the country just caught on to the concept and the idea, the way that the website was built, um, the SEO, no one had done it. Um, I mean, you look now, we literally created an industry, which is which is kind of crazy. I mean, the industry of selling and listing and buying hunting property has is the whole industry. I mean, how many thousands of agents are doing this now? You know, and I and I could probably think of five, maybe twenty five years ago that were doing it. But it's really early in the industry too. And I look back at 
Okay, so I my career came up through medical devices, and people have heard me say this before, and uh, did 25 years of that. And I remember getting on YouTube, I think, and seeing this Whitetail Properties television show where these guys yep. were, they were hunting. Um, it was very God-focused and love of the land-focused and a little bit of sales, but it, it wasn't so much that. It was like you left the viewers to their own devices to come around to the idea of uh, buying managing and selling American land, you know, my podcast. Yep. Um, yep. But there was something different about what you guys did because that's what caught me, the visual, the stunningness of the videography and the storytelling really captivated me. And I know for me, it touched me in a deep place. I hadn't even realized until 2015 when I came to work for you guys and they pulled me out of my industry. Um but that's that was the big thing, that visualness yeah. and the story. Who came up with that yeah. idea? So that was a partner kind of concept. But but honestly, what that was was passion. It was so at the time, Wes and Paul, they also became basically landowners too, right? So it wasn't like we hired someone to produce our TV show that knew nothing about land that you care less about buying a farm. Our partners were producing the TV show and marketing the TV show. So we basically were telling our story to the viewers. I mean, um, we wanted to be, we wanted to put ourselves in the viewer customer's seat at home and trying to bring them into kind of our world, like what we, what we do, what we look for. And it's not, hunting shows forever have been, oh, I, I killed this or I killed this. Look at me, pump my chest, you know, and that we've, I don't really give a shit about that stuff. It doesn't, that, that just comes when you own a good piece of ground and you're a good hunter. That just comes like, I don't, I don't need to pump my chest and, and say that I rather have the average guy be able to buy a piece of ground. And I don't care if he shoots 6 million goes on it. Like it doesn't, to me, that doesn't matter. It's all what makes you happy inside. So we didn't want to focus on you know, it was it was hard because there's a mixture. You gotta have you gotta have something there to bring the viewer in, which obviously you gotta have big white tails to bring the viewer in. But you gotta tell a story too. It, you gotta have a good story. And you can't you can't look like you're having a sales pitch the whole time. So it's always been you know, we've always tried to, you know, display property but also show some hunting but also some land management stuff too. So we we've always try to show everything involved in it and not just one lane. Yeah, we do a good job. You did a great job of selling the lifestyle, which is what attracted me to the whole thing. I mean, I, I, I made my phone call one day and when I was in Oslo, Norway, Pete, and I was on a medical device business trip to all throughout Europe to go meet my distributor, uh, European distributors and whatnot. And, um, I believe it was in October that I was there and I knew I was missing deer season and the, the smell of the woods and the, you know, that frosty morning where the sun's coming up and all, you know, the, the hoar frost develops before it warms up and melts away. That whole, yeah. like that, you know what I'm talking about? Like guys oh, that yeah. do this, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. And I was watching the show in a hotel and I had it on my computer and I was just watching it. And I, I, 
this sounds hokey, but I swear I could close my eyes and I could smell it and I could feel it. And it touched me and it reminded me like, why am I, I love my career. It's not that I didn't like it, but I just, I wanted to be somewhere else. So I actually just called up, I called up um, the company and I just asked for, for uh, Dan Perez and they put me through and Dan kind of chuckled. I don't know if Dan remembers this, but he kind of chuckled. He said, how did you get to me? And I, I, you know, and I said, well, you know, Dan, this is what I do. And I, I, you know, I know how to get to the right people. And that's how it started for me. Dan invited me in and I said, I'm going to be in St. Louis um, pretty quick and I'll come over and meet you guys. I just want to take a minute to talk about landgate.com. Now I've been using this software for a while now. And um, as a realtor, I tell you what, it does a lot of good things for me. If anything, it really sets me apart from the average real estate agent that's just trying to sell property and I can be looked upon by the landowner as a guy that brings resources. And in this case, land is, that has oil and gas on it. So I have a friend in Ohio and he owns probably about 360 acres and he's got oil and gas pumps on it and he gets a pretty penny for that oil. Uh, that's pumped out of the ground, or maybe it's natural gas. But either way, he gets a pretty penny for the resources that's pumped out of his ground. And I asked him, how did you get that money? How did how were you approached? And he said, well, the oil company or the gas company approached me and said, hey, we'd like to pay you for that resource. Would you do that? And he said, sure. And he signed him up and he got a check. But I asked him, I said, well, how do you know you got the biggest check you should get? And he said, that's a good question. I don't know. I just kind of did a deal with the first guy that came and asked. Well, the landgate.com software might be a tool that's perfect for you because what you can do is we can run a report about your land. And then if you choose to list your property on the Landgate website, I can do that for you. And uh, we'll put it out to everybody that might be interested in the resources on your land. And when you get a lot of people interested, you get a lot of competition. You're probably going to get paid more. So check them out. If you're a guy that maybe has solar or EV charging stations or wind potentially, or in this case, oil and gas, and even carbon credits, we can list your property on the Landgate website. We can make everybody compete for those resources that we can get you an even bigger payout potentially. Check them out, landgate.com. Or if you're interested, give me a call. I'll glad to talk to you about it. in my experience. Who knows? This might be just what you've been looking for. I'm Neil Hogger, and I'm a land specialist for Whitetail Properties Real Estate. I'd like to be your guy in the business. Give me a call. There's there was some magic in that capturing on the video. Really, I think continues to do it for for a lot of guys. But now, now a lot of guys are are doing it, and and I'm wondering if it's still is that still like the 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 spear point of the marketing in your opinion. Um, it would be hard to say that it's not, but I think with YouTube, um, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're on YouTube now too. So the streaming, the availability, just the stream is, it's so huge that our viewership is kind of split almost 50, 50, um, between online and, um, television broadcast right now. So it is, if you put it as a whole, as, you know, the TV show, whether it be, you know what I mean, web-based or um, broadcast, it, that's definitely the big probably push. Because um, it's hard. It, it costs a lot of money to do it. It's um, close to a couple million dollars a year just to put that on, you know, and that, that's money you got that's out of pocket. You know what I mean? That's marketing dollars. That's that's big boy money to start playing in that space. So, but we've been doing it so long. It's just, we could never stop doing it. 
Um, I just, you know, we talk about taking the money and doing other things, but I just, we'll, we'll probably never do it because it's just, it's the backbone. It's how we got started. And I would, I would feel like a sellout if we stopped doing it. Yeah. It seems like, uh, the personalities have changed a little bit too. In my time, I think Gabe Adair was kind of like the, mm-hmm. the guy that I, I saw doing mostly. And then the torch was kind of passed, uh, I think next to maybe to Rich Baugh, am I, am I think, yeah, if I'm right. Yeah. And yeah. then Rich did it for a few years. And now Ben Harshine is kind of like the face of which, mm-hmm. from my opinion, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that's kind of how it seems. And then yeah. I think there's like more of a grassroots effort because I know, I remember five years ago sitting in one of our national meetings when we had about 60 guys in the old church ladies basement and, uh, or in yeah. the auditorium. And, um, I remember Alex Gilstrom got up in front of everybody and said, guys, if you're not doing social media and your own videos, you're missing the boat. You need to start doing this. So I, I think I was one of the really early ones that really just grabbed my iPhone, just hit record and started talking. And now a lot of guys are doing, I, I don't want to take credit for anything, but, um, but now I think there's a lot of guys uh, like, you know, I have my American Landman vlog and um, a couple of guys in, in uh, Justin Mason, Mark Williams have, the uh, whitetail guys, I think is what this called or whitetail agents, whitetail agents. Yep. And then there's a number of guys that are kind of doing it. So now, you know, instead of that national level thing, there's more grassroots level thing going on and there's yeah. a whole bunch of them doing it. And it's awesome because oh, it, it is, it is. That's, I, I, that is one thing that I, I say another thing that just takes us so far out ahead of everyone, because you take 300 guys, girls that, are pushing social media um, along with everything else we're doing. And you can't, I mean, it's when I scroll through Instagram, I mean, I, I probably follow 3000 people and it's, it's all whitetail stuff that pops up on my phone. That's, That's all I see on, awesome. on, on Facebook is whitetail, 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 whitetail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the algorithms are because it, driving it. It takes time to do, it takes time and people get so caught up in like their day-to-day routine of work, you know what I mean? As an agent, you know, it's like, okay, I got to show these farms, list this farm, take this picture, do this drone video. I got to call this person back, this person. I got to stop by the coffee shop, put these flyers out. Oh, oh, and then I got to make these posts for social media. So that's, it's usually the last thing people think about. But honestly, it's like, to me, it's one of the most important things right now to be doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, when I started doing it, um, I w- there would actually been two guys already up in this part of the woods. And um, I don't know if you even remember the day that you and I met when I was brand new. I called you mm-hmm. up. Do you remember that? We yeah, went and met. Okay. We went to a coffee shop someplace. I don't even know where it was, but um, that was very early in mine. I think I literally just was coming on. I don't even know if I was hired at that time, Pete. I think I was still like, should I really do this? Um, so thank you for that, but for taking time. Yeah, to- I think. That meeting was in Roseville, Minnesota, and I think you needed me to kick you in the ass that day. I think that's why you, you met with me because you wanted me to push you over the head. Yeah, I think so. Because I think they had offered me a job mm-hmm. and a territory, and I said no because I just didn't feel like it was where I needed to be. And yeah. But then I stayed in touch with Kelly uh, for eight months, I believe I was calling, and then it was – I just, I was still doing my research. I was like, okay, my heart is pulling me this way. I'm smart enough to recognize an opportunity. They're doing a lot of right things. I think this is going to be a great move, but I'll be honest with you. 
everybody around me, when I quit my career as a medical device guy, they thought I was nuts, Pete. Probably like what you got. So, you know, I literally had people, my wife, more than anything, said, okay, so let me, you're going to do what? You're going to you're gonna sell hunting properties as a yeah. real estate agent. What? I'm like, yeah. no, you don't, no, you don't get it. I'm going to be a, a land specialist for whitetail properties, real estate, and sell hunting properties. It's way different. <laughs> it's way yeah. different. Yeah. I even had yeah, a guy for the Dyna Realty, a local name you might even recognize. I won't say his name, but... He said, why do you want to niche yourself so tight? I'm like, because the riches are in the niches. That's what I told him. <laughs> and never regretted it since then. So, all right, enough about that. Let's let's take it a different direction, Pete. So you're buying and selling land. And I know that you own a couple ranches. And the, one, the most recent, I don't know if this is the one, is Hoodoo. And I've noticed something about some of the properties that you've bought and I'm thinking you're buying and selling and you're building these places from scratch, but I'd like there, there's, there seems to be a method to the madness here. And I mm -hmm. hope you know where I'm going with this. Cause I want you to tell me if I'm right, but you're buying yep. and selling properties and you're building them and you're selling them. Tell us about that. Yep. So basically what I do is I, I kind of look in areas and I, I really love Western Kansas because I like Kansas because it's a one buck state. So it's not over hunted. Um, and then Western Kansas, it's huge tracts of ground. Okay. So I'm just going to use that for instance. Um, so you got to start with a good foundation. So what I, what I look for is trying to find something that's out there in the market that I feel like has the potential to grow big deer. Because if you can grow big deer, my philosophy is if you got a big deer, you always have a big sale. Um, and a big sale doesn't have to be over market price. It just means it's going to sell. You're not going to be stuck with a mediocre farm because um, the pictures will back it up. Um, so once I go in there, I just do an evaluation of the farm and just figure up, okay, I think I need to do X, Y, and Z. It might be 10 food plots. It might be um, gates. It might be to put in some ponds. Uh, Kansas, you can feed there. So, like, I'll feed protein. Um, you know, pretty much all year because it'll, I'll draw, I'll draw deer in from everywhere. I mean, I literally just on my new ranch in Kansas, um, I had mule deer show up the other day, like a, just an absolute giant mule deer buck. And, um, they haven't been in the area for probably 25 years and literally they're coming there because I have all the groceries. That's why, um, basically I'll sit there, I'll take inventory, I'll hunt it, I'll film on it, um. Take, uh, you know, just document every single thing I'm doing on there. And if something better comes on the market that I feel like that I could still harvest big deer or grow big deer, then I'll put it on the market and usually sell it and do a, I'll usually 1031 the money into another one. I'm getting to the point now, though, that I've kind of found my, my unicorn ranch in Kansas. Um, and I actually sold part of it. And I'm in the process, literally today, I'm buying it back, which is crazy. <laughs> I I sold it for like $2,800 an acre, and I'm getting ready to pay $3,800 an acre for it. Um, so, and I did all the work to it. So I'm literally, I'm buying back my own investment pretty <laughs> much. But that's one of those things. Like, So that's my personal place that I'm probably never going to get rid of, right? I'm going to. That's going to be my hunting spot. That's going to be where I spend holidays and probably live half the year. 
Is this the one that you're building the whole barn house that we see? You yeah. Post? Okay, that's that one. And how so many acres is that? Um, all together, it's 3,000 acres now. Okay. Um, 3,000 acres there. And then, like, Hoodoo, I, I sold Hoodoo. And that's getting ready to, and he's, and then he bought Hooray and a couple other ranches. So he's getting ready to actually list that farm this year. So that's going to hit the market, which is cool because when I had the place, there was zero improvements done. So I managed and did all the work on that place for six years put in a million dollars worth of um, waterfall improvements on there. Um, the hunting, the deer hunting, everything. It's just, it's cool looking back six years ago and saying, wow, there was, you might see 10 deer in a day on this place. Now you'll see 50 in each food plot. You know what I mean? It's just, it's cool. To me, that's what drives me too. It's not, I just like doing it. I think I'm addicted to the white-tailed deer, I think, is my problem. You know, some people have addictions. Mine is definitely a deer. Um, so that's probably my biggest drive on these on these investment properties is I'm already in the space. You know what I mean? I'm already doing it. I'm looking at all these killer farms all the time, and it's just hard for me not to invest in land because land is just so – it's never hurt me. It's always been good. Even when economies are bad, it's always been good to me. So I just don't trust markets, stock market. I just, I just, I'm not a big fan of not being able to touch or feel or walk on something that I own. Um, I don't know. I'm probably old school, but that's just how I was raised. Oh, you invest in what you know. You know, I, so I just, I just interviewed a guy um, on episode 37 and he is has reached financial freedom through uh-huh. uh, investing in real estate. And he's a farm boy, so his roots came from the land, but he got away from it. And we've been talking about buying land as a as a diversification away from the residential. He does multifamily mm-hmm. and um, single family, and he does a little bit of ATMs, but none of it's land yet. And he'll argue with me all day long about. Well, what you're buying isn't an investment because it doesn't cash flow. I said, no, it doesn't necessarily. But when I, every time I bought and sold and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pup compared to you, but I am, my net worth is my next move. I'm a net worth millionaire and mm-hmm. I did it in two moves and the next one will be three. And I, ne- I, I, well, I did have an issue with mine. Well, some guy crashing his car into my barn, but we'll not bring that up. Other than that, I, I haven't dealt with renters. I got to walk on it. I got to recreate on it, relax on it. And when I sell it, I make these huge jumps without all the headache that you have with like the, that he has like with the Moo lady that lived in his house in San Diego for three years and never paid rent. He couldn't get her out. Right. So yeah. it is an investment. It's a different kind of investment and he can't get his head wrapped around that. So I know people are listening to, are going to listen to his episode and then they're going to come to yours and yep. they want to understand it a little bit better. So let's talk about what you look for specifically, if you can, like give us something juicy and like, yep. you know what I'm talking about as an investment minded person. Yep. Well, I'll give you a little fun fact. So two of the largest um, financial advisors that I know, one in Minneapolis, one in Nashville, are clients of mine. And if I called them right now and said I had a million dollars to invest, they would say, why would you do that? You make way more money in your land than I can get you in the market. So if that's not a testimony, I mean, these are guys controlling Nashville, um, the guys I'm talking about, and they're my clients. So 
um, I guess, think about that for a second. Um, and I don't have to wear a suit to work every day. Um, so when people, you know, buy into traditionary tradition, uh, invest in stocks and bonds and stuff like that, you know, these guys are going to tell you, you know, two to 5% returns and they're talking over multi-year return. And when I look at something, you know, let's just take a, let's take a hundred thousand dollars. It's just easier. So let's say we buy a farm for a hundred thousand dollars and turn around and sell that farm in six months. And even though it's a hundred thousand dollar farm, let's just say that it was $20,000 cash um, on the farm. You got to think of your return cash on cash. And then if you flipped it twice, in a year. So let's say you sell a $100,000 farm, you sell it for $150,000. The returns on your cash, not on the 100000 but on your cash are insane. Um, so when people are like, I don't think I've ever made anything under like 17% because just the appreciation usually is 10 to 12% a year on the farm. Um, and I know some people are investment minded, like saying, okay, well, they look at rent as income. And I look at value and appreciation as income. It's just, if, if you're not getting it in your hand, it's just different. It's just delayed. It's, you're getting it paid on the end. You're betting on the come, basically. Um, so I always tell people, just make sure you have the money to do the improvements, to buy the farm, and to, to make the payments for that period of time. So some people want to sell stuff in a year. Some people have zero plan on selling anything. Um, so really, I guess you got to back up to what someone's looking for. If they're looking to just invest, to buy and sell, then you got to just, I guess, have the money put to the side to let it ride. Um, but the returns will crush anything in the market or any housing market, um, any rental income or anything like that. It's, they're not even close to numbers. I have rental properties and... Um... I'm just going to throw it out. I'm going to talk specifics because about me and you can do what you want to do. But the guys listening to this, guys that are listening to this, this is real shit. And this is how it's happening. This is how it's happened for me. I bought a property for $360,000 in 2010. I bought them about $80,000 a piece. And they were foreclosure triplex in uh that i bought off uh, an agent actually called me and said if you don't buy it i will but this is a sheriff's sale so i did that property right now is worth seven hundred fifty thousand bucks paid off so i'm almost a millionaire from that one deal there and what i did is i took a, a equity line of credit against that and i got it before yep. the interest rates jumped up i got it fixed for four years at 4.25 percent. i basically have a credit card or a checkbook that i can go play with and then i make those monthly payments when i invest so if i invest fifty thousand bucks i'm paying 4.25 percent on fifty thousand monthly so i'm i'm looking for properties and i am buying properties that i um i've only done it a couple times and i wanted to kind of as my Derek uh, Peterson episode 37 said, proof of concept, go out and show me you can do this. So I actually talked to you and I, I don't know if you remember all these stuff, but I've been picking your brain for 10 years, just so you know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I, so I talked to you on the side and I've talked to Perez and I'm like, you know, I honestly, I'm like, I just don't, I, what am I missing, man? I'm like, I'm missing something. I'm like, prayed, I'm afraid to pull the trigger. And, they're, and they told me the things that you said, and I don't know if these guys are picking up these hints you're dropping, but a gate, uh, pictures, neighborhood, 
find something that has a good deer or has a potential, put down some food plots, yeah. right? And then and, and record all this stuff. And then maybe put the vibe out that it's willing to be sold, but you're not ready. But then an opportunity will come. In the meantime, you're kind of looking past that, which is not normal in, in Western Wisconsin. In my in Wisconsin, people buy and hold. I'm buying this, Pete, and I'm never selling it ever. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what everybody says. And I'm like, hey, if that's what you do, great. But I'm buying this with the idea that I am going to sell it. And when I sold Indian Creek, and that was another thing, I named my properties. We haven't got to that. Oh, yeah. I named my properties Indian Creek Lodge. The next one is, or excuse me, Krause Creek Lodge was the first one. The second right. one is Indian, Indian Creek Ranch. And mm-hmm. people are like, it's kind of gay. Like, why you, I don't know if I could say that. Yeah, we're not woke here. It, that's kind of gay, <laughs> you know? You're, 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 you're putting names on these farms. I'm like, well, you know, there's a madness. There's a, a, there's a reason behind the madness. But a lot of guys, they, they're missing it. They're missing yep. this opportunity. They can't pull the trigger. And it's starting to happen, though. I'm seeing more guys slowly doing this, and they're YouTubing about it, and it's starting to happen. It's still very early, and there's still a, a ton of opportunity. Would you agree? Yep. Oh, there, for sure. There's just right now, um, just last week, I was in Montana, Wyoming, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. I went to those four states in three days, looked at probably close to 100,000 acres, different ranches. And I can tell you right now, every one of them was an absolute smoking investment. Um, you know, there were bigger ranches, so the, the dollar amounts are kind of bigger, but you would have to put groups of people together. But I'm like, why, what the hell am I missing? Like, why are these places, like, why has someone bought these places? It's like, it blows my mind. Like, I literally have to shut my mind off and like stop thinking about it like because I get I get the cart in front of the horse because I've got so many other projects going on I'm like okay you know what I'm gonna push that one forward and put that one to market because I gotta get this other one bought because this is crazy you know there's there's one in Oklahoma right now on the river that I mean it's it's producing 200 inch whitetails and there's monster mule deer on there and you can get it for nothing right now and um, it's a private sale. And so I'm like, well, I got to figure out how to get this bought because I just, I know the genetics in the area. And I know Oklahoma is just a great state. Um, so there's just a ton of those deals are out there. And then going back to what you're saying about naming the ranches, that's just, that's just one of the things I do on everything because I think it's, you owe it to the ranch or the land to, um, I always try to tell history or some sort of story with the property that I'm buying. And I try to bring it back. Like my, the lodge I just built, I found an old barn door that's, you know, from early 1900s. Well, I made my walk-in shower out of that barn door. Um, I renamed the ranch after the founding uh, family of the ranch. Um, like anytime there's any history or anything like that, I always try to bring it back in. And it just, I feel like you owe it to the, cause people are going to ask anyway. So it's like, you know, you kind of owe it to the, the founding uh, family members to, you know, keep the legacy alive. Dude, this is, you're, you're, a, this is a different level, man. You're the real deal. <laughs> the things that you, I mean, you really love this stuff. I can tell it's coming through. You oh, really, yeah. you really do. It's, it's more, it's, you know, what? I, I think you've cr- crossed uh, a bridge in life um, where the passion is leading your way and not necessarily the investment, but the money is following that because of the passion. It's, it's uh, unique. It's unique. Yeah. It's 1000%. Def- I mean, I honestly, I don't give a shit about making money. It just kind of happens with 
in the world that we're in now, you know, like with the land business and what I do. And, um, but just for instance, the other day when I was at the ranch in Kansas on a Saturday afternoon, I'm like, we were working on something in the shop. I'm, I'm trying to build all the storage in the shop. And I'm like, you know what? I'm literally going to grab my boots and my backpack. I went to my house, put my stuff on, and I told the guys at the ranch, I go, well, I'm out of here. And they're like, where are you going? I go, I'm just going to walk. And I literally walked for three hours looking for sheds. And I'm like, brought it all the way back full circle why we do this. When you're when you're improving these places, um, I assume you're uh, putting in a lot of food plots and you're in very arid areas. And I'm kind of going down a little bit different rabbit hole here. But as far as yep. the improvement goes, you're bringing in water. If there's not water, I assume. Yep. And you're putting up stands where there's not stands and you're putting up feeders where there's not feeders. Um, the food plots, how do you get them to grow? I mean, are you planting monoculture or are you doing a blend? Like I started doing on my farm, a blend of um, seed from a company called Vitalize and I'm saving a lot of fertilizer costs. Are you looking at that kind of stuff? Like how are you improving it and are you changing your ways do you see a market moving a different direction of what they want to see when you improve it um so over the years i've i've i started you know 20 years ago i ran real small equipment as time progressed i i started running big equipment and now <laughs> which is crazy now i'm literally in the process of i mean i have excavator dozers like seven track i have anything you can imagine to farm thousands of acres okay i'm literally going to bring it back now old school and i am going to just keep a no-till drill a couple tractors and a um uh, ferminator rt model and i'm going to do more precise kind of like till plots this year is what i'm going to do um and then i'm going to feed a lot more protein because what i noticed is when I bring water. So like last year, I ran almost four miles of water lines and wells. And um, that was by far the, the biggest improvement I've ever done on a ranch. So a lot of times I'll take just sections of a ranch and I will try different things and I'll, I'll kind of watch what happens. And then I can just, over the years, I can see, okay, wow, that really works. So now I'm going to implement that over here, see if it keeps, that trend keeps going. Um, so I, I just been doing this so long now that I just, I have an agronomist that I work with. He'll look at the soil. Cause like out in Kansas, for instance, the soil is terrible out there. It's just, it's hard to grow anything up there other than popcorn. So, um, but I, my crops do fairly well. Um, cause we always fertilize them. Um, you know, I do the right recommended, um, applications when I need to. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, Food plots are funny. They're to me, they're always an evolving game. I mean, you'd think after thirty years, I have it figured out. But I mean, literally yesterday, I was um, during the Super Bowl. I was already trying to figure out this year my strategy, you know. And now I'm thinking I may try to create just have a custom blend of. I really want to try some forged beans and corn, and then when they're when they're about ankle high. Um, I was going to try to drill in some brassicas like right in between just the rows just to see if I could get it because I just, I need tonnage like out there because I have so many deer, right? I can't, I'm bringing so many deer into the, the property from other neighboring properties that I, my deer can eat me out of a field. So super yeah. Fast. You know, I'm sitting here, you're saying that I was doing the exact same thing. I had the Onyx app open and I'm watching the yep. football game and I'm clicking 
put in my food plot. So I plant this seed blend called Vitalize, and I guess it's a shameless plug for them, and they are a partner of the show, but that's not why I'm talking about this. I, I plant Vitalize seed, and it's a very diverse mix, and I was literally sitting at the same time as you. I was planning out, marking with Onyx map. I'm going to put this here, that here, that here for tonnage to reduce my input costs, and I'm planning while I was watching the football game. That is kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But I'm doing, oh, yeah. but I'm doing like ten acres, and you're doing <laughs> ten thousand. <laughs> but yeah, different level. I may have to share you a link to this seed blend, and you can take a look at it. Yeah, but, yeah, um, look at it. I, I know on some of your videos, I've watched. Um, ah, you've been watching me. Stuff, so. Yeah, God, I'm yeah. flattered. I'm a fanboy. Oh man, I'm flattered. <laughs> Did you like, share, and comment? Come on, Pete. Well, I'm not going to go that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fly underneath the radar, man. All right, that's okay. All right, so I'm gonna take you back to where you're investing. So I'm investing here in Western Wisconsin, and it's growing. And I'm I'm starting to think, yeah, maybe I need to look out out west. But I'm here in Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, Montana. A lot of stuff going on out there. What's what gives? Give us the digs. What's happening out west? Um, out west, there's a lot of opportunity out west right now. Um, and it sounds crazy, but everyone watches Yellowstone right now, right? Oh yeah, everyone, I've been binging on it. <laughs> everyone is, everyone wants to be John Dutton, okay? So I actually went out there, when was that? Four months ago. And I mean, I've always hunted big game too. So I wanted an, uh, a really good elk spot. So one of our agents found me a place um, in the Bull Mountains. And it, it the place is insane. It's crazy. Um, monster elk. So I bought it with a couple, actually it was a couple investors bought it myself. And so we all invested in it. It was quite a bit of money. Um, the plan was not to sell it. The plan is to keep it, hold it, shoot elk, enjoy it. It's got a brand new house on it. Um, spring fed lake with trout. I mean, it's a killer place. And, um, all of a sudden we word got out on the street that we had it and, um, we're getting ready to sell it and sell it for quite a bit more money. So I think I'm going to sell it. And that's why I was out there last week. I'm looking at other ranches. Um, there's just, there's a lot of opportunity out there right now. And those areas are huge and you've really got to know where to go um, and who to talk to and who's got the inside. Cause a lot of stuff is not listed out there. A lot of people are doing private um, sales. So I really like Montana right now. I really like Wyoming, Utah, Idaho. Um, Texas is always going to be good. I like the northern part of Texas. Um, Oklahoma, I love Oklahoma. And Kansas is my baby. So that's kind of where I'm at. I like it. This Oklahoma property I'm looking at, what I like about it is it's an hour and a half from my front door of my lodge in Kansas. I can be over there and hunting in an hour and a half. So um, it just makes sense for me. And then if I get something in the panhandle with Texas, it's the same. It's only a couple hours away from me. The idea of owning that far away from me is a little bit scary. Um, uh -huh. Although I tried to buy some townhomes, single family residents in Indiana. And I know Derek, um, number 37, episode 37, he's bought in multiple states. Yep. Do, you, do you see the same opportunities in other markets like the Northeast or the Southeast? Oh yeah, especially where where we really because our you know where we started was the Midwest. So we're going in like down south and out east. I I think that's an absolute home run. 
um, for anyone looking to invest or buy a property right now, either to hunt and enjoy or for an investment, because a lot of these areas um, that we're going into, I think we're going to have pretty stronghold of, of the market really quick. Um, so if you can, I think markets are going to be changing for the better in those areas that we're in. So You're talking about there, the company having a stronghold, like market share yeah. of, of listing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll have market share and, and, you know, in a lot of those areas, those, those newer areas that we're going in outside the Midwest. Um, so if, if you can find something for sale at the local mom and pop real estate company or for sale by owner or something, that's a good deal. It's probably a pretty damn good deal right now because, you know, you turn around three to five years, it's going to be, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be sitting pretty good on your investment. Yeah. Well, what do you, we're, we're about an hour here, so we got to wrap it up. I know you got to get yeah. on to business, but what do you see, you know, in that three to five year window for real estate? Is it going to, everybody asks me what's going to, what's happening in the market? And I said, honestly, it's been in my area has been surprisingly stable. And I actually ran yep. the numbers in Dunn County and it didn't take that big rise that everybody thought. There was always a few deals that people heard about and, you know, everybody thought it, you know, went crazy and now it's coming down. I'm like, honestly, I just ran the numbers in, in one township in Dunn County. And I showed a guy last week, this is 19, this is 20, this is 20. I think I skipped 21, 22. And this is now, and it's been wow. fairly stable. So yep. what, what, what do you think is going to happen? Flatten out a little bit and then take off again, drop and then take off, drop, stay down. What do you think? I think it's going to, it'll stay pretty stable. And then um, depending on what happens on the next election, um, you know, you may see in rates. I mean, obviously if rates can go slide back down, you're going to see an uptick. Um, and I just think when, depending on who gets in presidency next election, you're going to see you're going to see people buying or selling it's so on the company side it's always it's always been good right we've always grown every year because either people are buying or selling but then there's that medium range and we've always kept that medium range of buyers and sellers and you know sometimes like during covid it was a lot of buyers so many buyers that the that the supply was really low but what i'm seeing right now is i'm still seeing supply chain not very strong and there's still a lot of cash out there there's those still banks are wanting to loan obviously rates are a little bit higher but i don't see and here's one thing the people that bark the loudest don't have skin in the game they're always the ones that are watching the news every day that don't know shit basically about property and land and what's going on they're the ones talking at the coffee shop, right? When everyone else is busting their ass. So I always take it with a grain of salt because I'm like, unless you really, really know and you're on the back end of a real estate company, just you're just talking shit at that <laughs> unless you know. Yeah, we're we're a little bit more, you know, in touch with it. And I think every right. every um, region is, you know, different, obviously. I mean, I saw some of the numbers of the, from our last newsletter, some of the guys out in Colorado, I think put up like $118 million in sales, two guys yep. last year. And, uh, and then you see, I've had him on the podcast, Paul Vicunas got you know, a ridiculous number of listings. He's killing it. And then Scott Hicks, I mean, I could go on the uh, Mark and, oh, yeah. and Mason. I mean, I go, I can name any 
a dozen of guys. You know, in my area here, um, yeah. I did. I had a good year. I had 14 million in sales, and 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 I, you know, everybody in the state of Wisconsin under Seth Gady's team is all right there. You know, none of us are like yeah. taking off and killing it. We're all doing pretty good. Um, yeah. I'm not sure why you know our region is different than anybody else's, but we don't seem to have those huge runs where these big numbers, I, I'm, it just, I don't know. It's solid. Wisconsin's always a well-ranked state, but it's different here, but it seems like the wild, wild West is truly the wild, wild West from what I can it, tell. It is because the wild, wild West, you're getting, you're getting people from the East coast and the far West coast. I'm saying like they're driving California it. pushing, pushing in. Right. Yeah. Wisconsin, you probably have, I'm going to say a majority, and I don't know, so tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to say 75% of your buyers are interstate. Yes. I'm going to say yes. So then I'm going to take Montana, for instance, right? I'm going to say 40% probably is interstate. 60% is coming out of market. That out of of state market is big money coming in, you know, because I know Minnesota is just like Wisconsin. You don't, you get a few out of state guys, maybe up north around the water. Um, but mainly you're pulling people out of big cities of Wisconsin and Minnesota. You know what I mean? That's where a lot of the buyers are coming from. These other areas are more destination states, you know, where, where guys are coming in are getting away from the nonsense. I'm getting a lot of guys coming over from Minneapolis. That's a big influencer for me. And when the uh-huh. city was burning and COVID restrictions, they were yeah. like, get me the hell out of here. Everybody from yeah. the most liberal people to the conservatives, they were trying to come into Western Wisconsin. It did push up the transitional land, like from the river yeah. border to, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes in that, that exploded and went up, but then it dropped off pretty quickly after that. And if you uh-huh. and I, still, if I find the right property and it's priced right, um, then it'll sell. What I'm facing is the sellers believe what they've got in Northern Dunn County as a good example. I'm going through this right now is equal to what they heard is happening in Minneapolis. I'm like, hey, look, you're an hour and a half separated, you, you know, and that's a big deal here. So yeah. Um, yeah. market differences, they matter. So yeah, well, for sure. Well, Pete, I've had you on here for an hour and seven minutes, man. And I know you're getting on to go buy another hoodoo ranch or some ranch. I need to let you go. But dude, I, I've said this to you many times, man. I just love to sit with you and just talk about this stuff and like pick your brain. So I'll be watching you. I'm a fan. And hopefully someday, maybe I'll get to do a deal with you somewhere. And um, for sure, I would love to grow my portfolio as well. So um, I appreciate your time. If anybody wants to find out uh, kind of about Pete Alfano, you could just go to his company. I mean, let's just leave it at that. Um, and if you're an investor and you're listening to this and you're looking for some big opportunity, obviously Pete can be found. I'm not Pete. I'm not going to ask you to put out your numbers just because I know you're mm-hmm. going to get inundated, but they can go through the company whitetailproperties.com. And if you want to invest with Pete, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll talk to you. Um, sure. so Pete, I want to thank you for coming on. You are a great American landman. Uh, you are living the dream, buddy, and you've got a great company. And I, for one, want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to work for this company. And I really, really mean that. I'm not just saying that. Um, I see as I get to work for this company, not I have to work for this company. I, I love every day of it. So thanks for coming on, buddy. I really appreciate the time you gave me. 
Thank you, Neil. I appreciate you. I love you, buddy. Keep up the hard work. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, that was a great conversation. I tell you what, Pete Alfano is, again, probably one of the greatest names in the land business that you guys have never heard. Um, he's an outstanding guy. You should follow him on Instagram. Uh, he's really into hunting, as you get to see, but uh, he's, he's really, really into uh, mixed martial arts fighting, uh, MMA. And uh, he's got our logo on the asses of some of the uh, greatest fighters out there. But he's a cool guy. And, uh, you know, I've known um, Pete for a few years. And I know that he is buying a lot out west. So that was, I hope you guys kind of perked up when you heard that. That was a little clue of maybe where you need to start looking. But there's opportunities everywhere, guys. Um, There is uh, a Whitetail Properties land specialist in nearly every state. We're in 40 states now. And if you're looking to get with the greatest minds in your local area in the United States, almost every state has a guy. And if we're not there, we're going there. Um, give me a call. I'll, I'll hook you up with them. I just got a call from a, or an email, a messenger message from a guy in South Carolina the other day. Thank you. I, I forget your name, but thank you for listening to the podcast and watching my YouTube channel. And I hooked him up with Scott Hicks and Scott's going to take care of him and uh, he'll find him a property. So you guys give me a call because I'd like to be your guy in the land business. I have brothers and sisters with whitetail properties all over the United States. We're moving and shaking in every every neighborhood and if we aren't there now we'll, we'll get there we'll we know people so give us a call uh guys as always i want to thank you for listening to this if you haven't done so already go to the bottom of the uh apple is where most people listen to this and leave me a review if you would uh, it really helps the algorithms the podcast is growing quickly we're listening to in six different countries mostly in the united states but we are international now and the audience is growing and i hope it's because we're bringing you good information with great entertainment value but real information to make you the next american landman and with that i'm going to sign off i'm neil hogger and i'm a land specialist with whitetail properties real estate and you've been listening to the american landman podcast